Pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen. Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible study. I'm Pastor Mike Brunzo with Faith Fellowship Church. I have a word for you tonight. I hope it's an encouraging word. Uh, we're living in such tumultuous times right now that uh, we have the ongoing battle, of course, with COVID-19. And we've been dealing with the effects of this disease now for some 10 months. And it seems like it's never going to end, but it is. It will. And, uh, you know, we just got new restrictions put on us in our state tonight. Uh, starting Monday, they're closing the schools again, going to online classes, and uh, restaurants are restricted, and carryout even is restricted now. But uh, for our Faith Fellowship Church family, church as usual. See you Sunday morning at 10.30. But anyway, in addition to all that, we have civil unrest and uh, political unrest, and the stress that's being caused by this pending election as it drags on, and it's still being up in the air, but... You know, in addition, we have our everyday challenges of life. They don't stop just because we got these other things going on. Uh, we still have challenges that life brings us, like marriage problems, family problems, health problems, financial problems, work problems, school problems. And there never seems to be a shortage of challenges to our faith. But we keep going. Amen? I mean, uh, uh, there these are times that require uh, patience and endurance because... They can wear on you after a while, but we have to understand that some things just have to run their course, and this the outcome of this election is one of those things, and it's going to take some time because we have uh, uh, a legal process that has to be followed, and uh, you know how our legal system is. Uh, it's a good system, but it's a little bit slow, and so it takes time, and you know, uh, about all we can do is pray, is pray, and you know, the Bible tells us in four, uh, uh, Philippians 4, 6, and 7, be careful for nothing, but in all things by prayer and, th and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And uh, the peace of God, which passes all understanding, it's a peace that we can't even understand or comprehend, will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And then he goes on in verse 8, and he says, Whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, of good uh, report, he said, think on things that are virtuous and praiseworthy. So he even tells us after praying, he says, get your mind off of the things that's going on. Put your mind on these things. He even tells us the good things to think about. And if uh, if our mind is always in an uproar and we're always confused and we always got stress and worry and everything, we are thinking on the wrong things. And that's what Paul is telling us here. He said, think on these other things, honest things, true things, lovely things, things that are pure, things of a good report. And you'll be surprised how it will give you the peace of God that passes all understanding. But, you know, our patience is going to be tried right now. And whatever you're going through, sometimes we just have to stand our ground and trust and believe that our faith in God and, and our faith in the Word of God is going to get us through because it will. Uh, James says in... James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. I'm going to read in the Amplified. It says, 
Consider it wholly joyful, my brethren, whenever you are enveloped or in or encounter trials of any sort or fall into various temptations. I'm telling you, these are trials. These are trials of all kinds of things. And he says in verse 3, Be assured and understand that the trial and proving of your faith bring out endurance and steadfastness and patience. There's a purpose to these trials. God don't cause them. God doesn't cause bad things to happen to us or bad things to come our way. That's the devil's job. But God will take advantage of them, and he'll cause us to grow through these things if we follow the word and follow the lead of the Spirit. In verse 4, it says, But let endurance and steadfastness and patience have full play and do a thorough work, so that you may be people perfectly and fully developed with no defects, lacking nothing. You know, when we get through our trials and our tests and, and the trials of our faith and we get through them with joy, full of strength, fully encouraged and everything, we'll find out that we're people that are perfectly and fully developed with no defects and lacking in nothing. So there's a purpose to these trials. God uses them uh, on our behalf. We get the better end of them when we follow the word. In other words, one of the most important things we must do is keep our joy while we're going through these trials and tests. And the reason that's important is because Nehemiah said the joy of the Lord is your strength. If you lose your joy, you're going to lose your strength. So you have to keep your joy up. And I know it's not easy, but I'm going to show you a way to do it. And you might have to stand for a while, but that doesn't mean you have to fall apart while you're standing. It doesn't mean you have to waver. It doesn't mean that you have to lose your joy, be shaken. Uh, and besides, if you really trust God and you're standing on, on his word, you should be full of joy. Let me give you an example of that. My wife and I have prayed for people who were sick and discouraged. And after we prayed for them, we always try to leave them with a couple of scriptures that they can meditate on while they're in the process of healing. You know, we believe the word that says uh, you shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So if we lay hands on, sick, on the sick and, and uh, uh, pray over them the prayer of faith, we fully expect them to recover. But sometimes they don't expect it. And so we try to give them an encouraging word uh, to stand on while they're waiting for the manifestation of their healing. And, uh, for example, uh, we would tell them, you know, God said in Exodus 15, 26, I am the Lord that heals you. And then uh, Isaiah the prophet said in Isaiah 53, 4 and 5, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his strife, you are healed, brother. You are healed, sister. And we try to leave them with an encouraging word, and sometimes they'll say, yeah, yeah, I know all that. I can even quote those scriptures. Then why ain't you shouting? Why ain't you dancing all over the room? I mean, why ain't you full of joy then? If you really believe that scripture, you should be pretty happy about what's about to happen or what has actually already taken place when we laid hands on you and you began to recover. Why wouldn't you be full of joy if you really believe the word and you really believe that you're being healed? And, and, you know, that's the point James is trying to make here. If you're going through something and you believe the word that you're standing on, then you should be excited and full of joy because you already know how it's going to turn out. You're going to win. And if you really know it and you really believe it in your heart that you're going to win, 
there should be a little joy. Amen. And then Paul said in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, he said to run with patience the race that is set before you. You have a race set before you. You can stand on the starting line if you want. You can get off on the sidelines side if you want. But that race is still there. That race still needs to be run. And it has to be run by you. And uh, in verse 2 he says, And here's the key. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now here's the key. He said, who for the joy that was set before him. When he was tied to that whipping post, when he was arrested and led through the streets and slapped and punched and his beard pulled out, the crown of thorns on his head, put on that whipping post, got them 39 plus lashes from a skilled Roman uh, whip master, and, and then went to the cross and endured the cross. He wasn't full of joy at that time. He didn't have joy, but you know how he got through it? He looked for the joy that was set before him. He looked for the joy that it was going to bring when his mission was accomplished. And so maybe you can't find joy right now. Maybe you're having problems getting happy with everything that's going on right now. But look beyond this. We win. And, you know, if you can look beyond this, you might not feel the joy now, but if you can look beyond, beyond this to the joy that lies before you when this is over, you'll get through it, and you'll get through it with joy. And I realize sometimes we get tired running our race, and we get battle-weary fighting the good fight of faith, like Paul said, especially when it seems like it's one thing after another, and it never seems to end. We'll get tired at times, and sometimes we even get discouraged yeah i said it discouraged and, and yes even a man or a woman of faith i know people think that well you shouldn't be discouraged you're a christian you got all the promises of god you're supposed to be a man or woman of faith listen it can happen to the best of us uh, but i also realize that the only time i get discouraged is when i take my eyes off of jesus the author and finisher of my faith and start looking at other things that's what got Peter in trouble when he was walking on the water. He took his eyes off of Jesus, the author and finisher of his faith, the one that started it, the one that would have got him all the way to him, and they would have walked back into the boat arm in arm like, like two hunting buddies. Uh, but he let the storm get the best of him. He took his eyes off of Jesus, and he sank. And, and that's discouraging. And that's the time that you'll find yourself getting discouraged the most is when you take your eyes off of Jesus, when you take your eyes off of the Word, and you start looking and believing other things. So keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. And I'm not saying it's okay to be discouraged. And I'm not saying we should settle for it when we are discouraged. Uh, I think it needs to be dealt with immediately. I'm just saying it's natural and it's normal for you to feel that way sometimes. But we don't want to stay that way. I think everybody gets into situations where they get discouraged from time to time. I said everybody. And, and I know a lot of people in the Word of Faith movement, the movement that we're in, the movement our church is in, we believe in the Word of Faith. And, and I know someone might disagree with me, and I understand that. I'm not ridiculing or criticizing anybody. If you never get encouraged or discouraged, uh, then I commend you for it. I personally haven't come to that level of faith where I can say that I've never been discouraged. But as I read through the Bible, I see plenty of men and women of God 
great men and women of faith who had to deal with discouragement. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the patriarchs, they all dealt with discouragement. Sarah, Abraham's wife, Esau, Joseph, Moses, Gideon, Samson, Shammah, David, every one of them dealt with discouragement in their lives. And the great prophet Elijah, along with all the other prophets, they all dealt with discouragement. Elijah sat under a juniper tree, the Bible tells us, contemplating suicide. I mean, he had to be discouraged. And so don't get condemned just because you're feeling discouraged. Don't think that your faith is failing you because you're feeling discouraged. Uh, just remember, it's a feeling, and we don't walk by feelings. We walk by, uh, by the Word of God, not by sight, but by the Word of God. We walk by faith. Uh, somebody might say, but Pastor, it's hard to be encouraged with everything that's going on around us right now. And, and uh, you know, I said myself that uh, we're living in tumultuous times, but I'm trying to encourage you right now. There's people out there that have an encouraging word for you. But if you can't find one of them, you can encourage yourself. And that's what we're going to look at here in a minute. See, most of your discouragement is coming from the same place that most of my discouragement was coming. And that's from the fake news media and the lying social media platforms uh, that are censoring just about everything that we put about God or things that are good and wholesome and lovely and true and of good report and virtuous. Uh, a lot of that stuff is getting censored. I'm getting censored and fact-checked all the time, and I, I really believe that the things I'm saying are moderate compared to some of these other ministers, but yet somebody's got their eye on me for some reason, and they keep fact-checking me. They keep censoring me, and all I'm trying to do is say some good things. Now, I ain't perfect. Once in a while, I let my feelings get in the way, say something that might be uh, maybe something I shouldn't have said. Let me just put it that way. But, you know, if we would spend less time on the news and the social media platforms uh, and more time in the Word of God, more time in prayer, I guarantee you that you won't feel as discouraged as you might be feeling right now. Turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 30. It's a story about David and one of the most discouraging times in his life. And he had plenty of discouraging times. But before we read our text, I want to give you a little background to get us up to speed here. David was one of the mightiest warriors in the Bible. He kills a bear and a lion as a young boy, maybe even as a child. And then as a teenager, at the tender age of 17, he kills his first giant by the name of Goliath. Later, he becomes a leader in King Saul's army, and he fights for God and he fights for Israel. And he's victorious everywhere he goes, and he defeats his en every enemy that he's ever faced. Of course, God is with him. And when he returned from battle back to the city, the people would come out to greet him. I mean, they'd come out in droves. It looked like a MAGA rally. And they'd sing songs about him. Saul killed his thousands, and David killed his ten thousands. And that boy, that got Saul upset because Saul had a spirit of jealousy and envy working in him. And so he tries to kill David on more than one occasion. And so David runs from him and hides in the cave of Adullam. And word soon gets out and travels through the underground, unbeknown to King Saul, that David is hiding out there. Well, about 400 reject men heard about him and gathered themselves unto him. They went to meet David at the cave. And I say reject men because the Bible says 
They were all in distress, in debt, and discontented. I mean, these men had some problems. You may know some of them. But anyway, they chose David to be their captain, and they become this small army of about 400 men. And it's a long story about who they fight for and who they fought. Uh, but we can't talk about that tonight. But anyway, through the course of time, they establish a city by the name of Ziklag. And they take wives and have children, and they're starting to raise families, and they're all living there in between their escapades and their uh, military missions. One day as they return home from one of their escapades, they discover that the Amalekites had invaded their city, burned it to the ground, and captured or kidnapped all the women, all the wives, all the sons and daughters, everybody. They kidnapped the servants, everybody, and took them with them. Now, I want you to notice that not one of them was killed. Not one of them died. And this is a demonstration of God's sovereignty. They don't get to do whatever they want. Amen? They only get to do what God allows them to do. And God always has control of the final outcome. And this is one of the things that we always have to keep in mind. It's not always what you see. It's what God sees and what God wants. But one day as they return home, uh, like I said, they found out that the Amalekites had uh, kidnapped all the relatives, captured all the, the family and everything. And so here we pick up in 1 Samuel chapter 30 verses 1 through 8. It says, And it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken the women captives that were therein. They slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city and behold, it was burned with fire and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captive. And then David and the people that were with him, his uh, soldiers, his little army, lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. Now you talk about disappointment. You talk about discouragement. It is really bad when tough, hard-conditioned soldiers like these men were that they could cry until there's no more tears left. I mean, is it safe to say that David and his men were discouraged? In verse 5 says, And David's two wives were taken captives, Ahinoam, uh, the Jezreelites, and Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite. And in verse 6 it says, And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him. Because the soul of all the people was grieved. They were mad at him. They were ticked. Every man for his sons and for his daughters. Uh, but David encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. So sometimes we have to encourage ourselves. And I mean, we can't say David wasn't discouraged because he wouldn't have had to encourage himself if he was, wasn't. And sometimes you're not going to get encouragement from friends and loved ones and people you know. But what do you do? Do you sink deeper in this discouragement because nobody's speaking a word of encouragement to you like I am tonight? No. I mean, uh, sometimes like David, you have to rise up and encourage yourself in the Lord. There's ways of doing that. 
And that's why I said earlier that it's natural or normal for you to be discouraged from time to time. But you can't stay there. Even when there's no one around to encourage you, you can always encourage yourself in the Lord. Hallelujah. You think you've got it bad, but David was being rejected by the rejects. It's one thing to be rejected, but when it's the rejects that are rejecting you, that's really bad. And that can be really discouraging. And in verse 7 it says, And David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abiathar brought thither the ephod to David. Now the ephod was a high priest garment. It was a vesture which had 12 precious stones on the breastplate of it. And a pocket behind those stones as I uh, understand it. And uh, in that pocket was two smooth stones called the Urim and the Thummim, which was used to inquire of the Lord. When they needed an answer from the Lord, they would inquire with the Urim and the Thummim. And the high priest would come in wearing the vesture, and David would ask a lo the Lord a question, and if God answered in the negative, from what I understand, nothing would happen. Maybe the stones would vibrate or something, but that would be it. But if God answered in the affirmative, the Urim and Thummim would illuminate with a powerful light that would shine through the 12 precious stones in the breastplate and casting and creating a beautiful bright rainbow indicating that God would be with them. It would be like a rainbow shooting out of the chest of the high priest. It must have been an amazing sight. And in verse 8, it tells us what David inquired of the Lord. He says, shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. Hallelujah. That I could quit right here, and you've not been encouraged as much as you need to be encouraged tonight. Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without faith, or without fail, recover all. Everything the enemy stole from you, you're going to recover. You lost your job with this COVID, you're going to recover it. You lost your uh, uh, finances with this, you're going to recover. You lost your health, you're going to recover. Not only that, but the Bible says when the thief has been caught or when the thief has been found out, he not only has to repay what he stole, but seven times over. Seven times over. That's something to get excited about right there. And, and, you know, it may not look good right now. You may be even discouraged right now as I'm talking to you tonight. You may have even cried your eyes out until you don't have any more tears yet. But I'm here to tell you, I see a rainbow, hallelujah, and a rainbow that's telling me everything is going to be all right. I got a word from God that's telling us weeping may endure for a night, but joy is coming in the morning. I don't care how dark your night is or how long it's been lasting. Joy is coming in the morning and morning is coming. Praise the Lord. And that's just the Old Testament. There's all kinds of examples in the Old Testament. I want to give you one more in the New Testament before we close. And I, I'm not going to keep you long tonight, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8 through 10, I was wondering, is Apostle Paul ever been discouraged? The great man of God, the great Apostle Paul wrote uh, three-fourths of the, of the epistles in the Bible. Has he ever been discouraged? More than once. 
In 2 Corinthians 1.8, it says, We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. This is Paul talking to the church at Corinth. He said, We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. He said it was more than we could endure. And we thought we would never live through it. Paul was a mighty man of faith, and yet he was so discouraged and worn out that he thought he was going to die. And trust me, from the way he's writing here, he was ready to go. Uh, and I know for a fact, mighty men and women of faith can get discouraged. Listen to what he says in verse 9. He says, in fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stop relying on ourselves. There's the key right there. You need to stop relying on yourself and learn to rely only on God who raises the dead. Paul said, I don't care. If I get killed, God will raise me from the dead. He didn't have a problem with it. And, and if God didn't raise him from the dead, he'd be in heaven. So he wins either way. And in verse 10, it says, and he did rescue us from mortal danger. And he will rescue us again. If he did it once, he'll do it again. I know everybody I'm talking to tonight got rescued at one time or another. Some of us more than others. And I'm telling you that that should have taught you, if not anything else, that if God did it once, he'll do it again. Hallelujah. He says, we have placed our confidence, here it is, in him. We have placed our confidence in God, not in the government, not in the leaders, not in the people around us, not in the boss on the job. We place our confidence in him because he will continue to rescue us. The government ain't going to rescue you all the time. Your job ain't, your, your boss on the job ain't going to rescue you all the time. Your teacher ain't going to, your parents your, uh, ain't going to rescue you all the time. But God will. Paul said it seemed like a death sentence and there was no hope. Then he said, but in him, in God. You know, when the problems come, and they will, uh, when you can't see a way out in yourself, the answer is in Him, in God. And it may not look like things are working out for our country right now, but it ain't over yet. I mean, the proverbial fat lady ain't sung yet. I heard somebody say that on a, on a feed today. But better than that, it ain't over till God says it's over. You know, praise the Lord for the fat lady. Maybe she can sing real good. I don't know, but I ain't waiting for the fat lady to sing. I'm waiting for God to say something. And it might not look like we're winning, but in God. Our answer is in God. Quit looking to the government. Quit looking to the auditors. Quit looking to the lawyers. Start looking to God. Put your, your faith and your prayers in God. And, and you know, these... I was going to say maybe discouraging times, but that wouldn't be accurate. These are discouraging times. But Romans 8.37 tells us in all these things we are more, not just conquerors, but more than conquerors through him that loved us. One thing that stands out in all these mighty men and women of God that face discouragement in the Bible, like Elijah and David that we talked about, Paul, and too many to even mention. I find it amazing that none of them stayed discouraged. None of them stayed that way. None of them became victims of their circumstances. 
even the Lord Jesus Christ, when he didn't have anything to be joyful about, when everything was coming against him and the hordes of hell were on him uh, before he went to the cross and on the cross, he looked past that. He looked to the joy that was set before him. And sometimes that's what we have to do. I'm not looking at the the disarray that the country's in. I'm not looking at the civil unrest, the political unrest, the, the results of this uh, election. I'm looking past that to the joy that's set before us when this thing finally is over. And you know, when discouragement comes, it's time to start praising God. You can't be discouraged if you're praising God. You can't be discouraged if you have your eyes on the author and finisher of your faith. Uh, count it to be a joyful time because you're developing patience and endurance, and that's what's uh, exactly what you need to run your race and get to the finish line. And as you struggle with the things that are going on right now, and a lot of people are, uh, like the effects of COVID-19, not just the disease, but the effects of it, the closures and the masks and the uh, personal, uh, other personal protective equipment and stuff, the hospitals, the, uh, all these hard-working nurses and doctors and the police and everybody that's trying to keep us safe and protect us. I mean, uh, instead of all of that, plus the stress of the election that, that has been brought on so many people, uh, in addition to that, those two major things, and believe me, that's enough. You still have your, your job, your finances, your health, your family, your marriage. Uh, just remember what Paul said. Your answer is where? In him. Your answer is in God. Hallelujah. The world is being shaken right now. And the Bible tells us that everything that can be shaken is going to be shaken. But you're standing in an unshakable kingdom, the kingdom of God. And if the kingdom can't be shaken and you're standing in it, you can't be shaken either. And we have to change our attitude, start looking at these things that are going on as opportunities to prove what you believe and bring glory to God. These trials, these tests, these things that's going on is just an opportunity for you to prove what you believe, to prove that you believe the word, to prove that you believe God has the final say in all these things. And, you know, when you base your life on the Word of God and you put your trust in God, there's no way you're going to be shaken. There's no way. You know, we had the two houses. One, one was built on a rock. The other one was built on sand. One was a doer of the Word. The other was not a doer of the Word. And, and one house stood. The house that was a doer of the Word, that house stood. And, and uh, the same storm hit both houses, but the one that was built on the sand, the guy that didn't do the Word, his house was destroyed, and, and, and the Bible said the ruin of that house was great. And so, you know, what house are you building? I'm building mine on a solid foundation. I'm building mine on the Word of God. I'm building mine on doing the Word. And Ephesians 6.14 tells us to put on God's complete armor, the whole armor of God, that you may be able to resist and stand your ground in the evil day. I'm telling you, this is the evil day. This is the time to have the whole armor of God on, and this is the time to stand and not give up any ground. I mean, uh, then he says, when you've done all that you can possibly do, you follow the word, you pray, you talk to God, you ask God, you believe in God, uh, and now it's time for you to just firmly stand and hold your ground. Amen. We don't want to give up any ground. And sometimes the real winners in life are those who just keep standing, just keep holding their ground. 
I heard one minister say that, uh, what was it about a, he, he became a big shot by, <laughs> I don't remember it, being a little gun that just kept on shooting. <laughs> Something like that. I know I messed that up, but hey, just keep shooting, you know, and you'll become a big shot someday. Just hold your ground. Don't give up any ground because the one who keeps standing, the one who refuses to give up any ground is the one that always seems to win. And this is a time in our, in, in, in our uh, walk right now with everything that's going on in the country. There's nothing you can do about the election. You went out, you voted. There's nothing else you can do right now except stand your ground. Pray, believe God, and stand your ground. Don't give up any ground to the enemy. And, uh, you know, when you know that you've done all that you could do in the natural, and God expects us to do that, if you've prayed, you've inquired of God, you put your faith in Him, in God, uh, your answers as in Him, in God, if you've done all these things, then just stand. Hold your ground. Hold on, because victory is coming. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we thank You and praise You. God, I pray that we were able to encourage everybody that listened to me tonight. I pray this word will encourage them, lift them up, give them some hope tonight. This is not over. We're not, we haven't lost. We ain't losing. We're going to win. Any way it comes out, we win. I don't care if, if Trump is the president, Biden is, it doesn't make any difference. Last time I checked, God was still on the throne, the throne, and Jesus was sitting at the right hand of power. So, we're going to win in the end. So I'm not con going to concern myself with all these things. I'm going to put my thoughts on things that are true, honest, lovely, pure, praiseworthy, of virtue, good report. I'm going to think on these things and the peace of God is going to come upon us. That same peace that passes all understanding. Keep our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. I pray for healing to each and every one that needs a touch from you tonight. I pray that everyone is healed. I don't care if it's COVID, the flu. I don't care if it's a broken finger. I don't care if it's a heart ailment, a lung ailment. I pray healing on each and every one that's listening tonight. And I believe that you're going to touch them in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We love you and appreciate you. Uh, Faith Fellowship Church, see you Sunday in person. Facebook Live, we'll see you on Facebook Live. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember, Jesus is Lord.